Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today, I want to speak to you from the subject, How Now Shall We Live? Now, this is going to be part two of the sermon that I began last week. If you haven't got a chance to listen to that, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that because I'm really speaking to our church right now, right where we are at, what I feel the Spirit is speaking to me to communicate to you. I feel like the church is in a time where we as individuals are choosing our worldview, how we are going to engage with the Spirit of God, how we are going to engage with the world, how we are going to live. And so this question that was asked, by the prophet Ezekiel, thousands of years ago are as relevant today as the first time he uttered it. I want to continue reading out of this book in Galatians, this very powerful, potent verse that the apostle Paul is writing to this church. He asks them this question. He says, are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? He's saying, having begun with the power of God, with the anointing of God, with the holiness, the presence, the grace of God. Have you switched over? Have you gotten confused? Have you lost your way? Have you wandered in back into the realm of law, back into the land of death, back to Egypt, where God came and rescued you from? Having begun by the strength of God, are you gonna finish on your own strength? Having begun in the anointing, are you gonna now finish in the flesh? He's asking seasoned Christians this question. He's asking people that have seen the power of God. They've heard the preaching from the Apostle Paul. They've encountered miracles. And he's saying, don't lose track. Don't get it twisted. Don't now try and finish out of your own strength. It was never your strength that saved you. It was the Spirit. So having begun in the Spirit, let's finish in the Spirit. Having begun in the presence, let's finish in the presence. Having been born by God, let's remain reborn by Jesus Christ. Let's be a church that does not dwell in the land of our self, self-righteousness, our own strength, but let us be people that walk in step with the Spirit of God. Would you join me right now? Let's pray together. Just bow your heads right where you're at. Holy Spirit, we give you these next few moments. Will you speak directly to us, your children and your church? God, I pray that your anointing is here. And whatever I miss, Holy Spirit, will you fill in the gaps? Will you open our minds to revelation and our hearts to revelation? We want to hear you. In Jesus' name, come on, everyone said, amen. Amen. You know, as I spoke to you last week, I believe our church is in a very unique season. Of course, the world is in a very unique season. But I believe that in all of this shaking, that what's happening is there is a sifting. Right now, the church is in a season of, of sifting between the flesh and the spirit. It's in a, a season of, of sifting between self and supernatural. Are we going to be sifted? Are we going to be removed? Or are we going to be strengthened and grow deeper? You know, there's a there's a truth that in times of, of dryness and drought, that many trees that will survive the drought, how they do so is that their roots go even deeper into the soil where the water is. 
in order for us to survive this season, we have got to get to the water. We've got to grow our roots deeper, which means we have got to go to the source of the Spirit and the Word of Jesus Christ. I think the problem is that we in the church, we have allowed the line between the church and the world, Christians and culture, to become so blurred that we have lost the distinctiveness of being different. We should be in the world, but absolutely not of the world. We should not be made of the same stuff. We are a different material. We have been born again. Jesus said, behold, I make all things, including you, into a new creation. The old has passed away. Who you once were is not who you now are. What you once were, how you once acted, what you once thought, what your belief system was, that's gone. It's passed away. It's removed. But today you have been made brand new. And so we cannot look, act, be, think like we once were because Jesus has saved us, redeemed us, and changed us. We should be distinct. We should be different. Come out from among them, the Bible says, and be separate, says the Lord. We once walked in step with the world. We followed their path and we followed their pace. But hear me, church, young people hear me. You are not called to, to walk in step with the world. Look in step with the world, act in step with the world, or believe in step with, in the world. Why? Because the, the path to hell is wide and many are on it but the path that leads to salvation is narrow. And the Bible says, and few find it. I pray you're one of the few. I pray you're one of the ones that do not walk blindly down the evenly paved direction towards death, but you are one of the ones that say no matter what, no matter the difficulty, no matter what the culture says, no matter the obstacles, I will cling to Jesus with everything I have because who else has the words of life? The reality is church, God wants his people back. He wants us back. He does not want us blurred. He does not want us undistinct. He does not want us looking like those that are not his. He wants us back, body, mind, and soul. We are the children. We are the sheep of his pasture, and he wants us back for himself. You know, one of the apostles, the pastors of the church that we are speaking to, he said this to us recently, and it's just rung in our spirit that God will not relent until we repent. And I would add to that, he will not relent until we repent and return once again, not just to church, but to Jesus, to his spirit, to what saved us in the first place. And, and this is what Paul is speaking about. This is the dichotomy that the apostle Paul is presenting in the book of Galatians. Read the whole book. It's so powerful. It's, it's gonna be as, as if you're reading an article or a letter written to you today. That's how relevant it is. And it culminates in chapter three, where he presents these two distinct paradigms, these two different structures, these two different kingdoms, these two different world views. He says, you are either going to be in the spirit or you're going to be in the flesh. You can't blur these things together. They are completely and totally eternally differentiated. And you, church, Christian, you have to choose. Am I going to be in, of, for the spirit? Or am I going to live in the realm of the flesh that so let me down that God had to save me out of? Are you going to be in the spirit or the flesh? That is what Ezekiel asked. How now shall we live? Shall we live as people of Israel? 
or shall we become like the Babylonians? What culture will we choose? What gods will we worship? How are we going to live? I pray that we live in accordance with the spirit that saved us. This is your choice, church. This is the choice of every Christian that everyone must choose on a specific day. Who are you gonna be? Who are you gonna follow? Who are you gonna worship and who are you gonna look like? Flesh or spirit? Because you know, the spirit has a purpose. The Spirit's purpose is to produce devoted believers. I pray you're not just a nominal Christian. I pray you're not just someone that may or may not come, that may or may not pray, that may or may not show up, that may or may not serve. I pray that you are devoted, body, mind, and soul, to the one that saves you, body, mind, and soul, that you are a devoted Christian. And I pray that our church is filled with devoted people that know how to show up, that know how to have faith and know how to be faithful. Come on, can you say amen, church? Am I speaking to you right now? Come on, can you sense the shaking right now? Can you sense the choosing? Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. And I hear Joshua's echo coming back on the world. Are you gonna go back to where you came from, Egypt, which was so oppressive that, that put us in, in bondage? Is that where we're gonna so quickly go back to? Joshua said, are we gonna live in the current land and accept the idols of the culture we're living in? Will their gods become our gods? Greed, will their gods become our gods? Safety or protection or even state, will that be the source of our salvation? Or will we serve the Lord who is unique, different, and yet has predestined you, has called you out and formed you for a very specific purpose? He says to Timothy, fulfill your ministry. I don't know about you, but I hear those words echoing in my spirit. We are not gonna stop now just because it's gotten difficult. We're not gonna slow down now just because others say we should or should not do certain things. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are called out. We are set apart. We should look, sound, different, act, and believe differently than the world. We will fulfill our ministry, not just in peacetime, but in wartime. Not just when it's easy or simple, but when it's complicated and it requires all of us. We are young leaders, young Timothys, and we will fulfill our ministries until the end. We need the Pauls to rise up. We need the Timothys to rise up. The Esthers, the Ruths, the judges, we need people to engage their gift, engage their mind, engage their faith. Now is not the time to shrink back, to grow silent, to be unsure, to figure out what you're gonna do by everyone else. Because wide is the path that leads to destruction. But when the spirit comes, he will lead us into the way. A distinct church, unique. I, I don't know what other churches are gonna look like. I don't know what other institutions are gonna do. I don't know what other callings God has put on people, but I can speak for this church, that we wanna be a church like the book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit comes on us and these characteristics begin to be built in us and flow through us. Look at what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on the church of Acts. It says they devoted themselves. Come on, you're called to be devoted. To what? To the apostles' teaching, the apostles' doctrine. Now is a time where there are many winds and many waves of strange teachings, false prophets, people that want to get your money and your views. Now is a time where there is much being shouted, much being stirred up, much unrest in the world, many different doctrines coming in. And now is the time where you need strong, stable teaching 
from strong, stable people that will bring you close to Jesus. They devoted themselves to good teaching, good doctrine, and more than that, to the fellowship, the gathering together. Right now, it's very difficult to gather together. Churches all over the world aren't able to fulfill this aspect of their calling. Their calling. He even goes on and says in Hebrews, do not neglect the gathering together. It's essential. Our prayers together, they're essential. They're necessary for the building up of families, the restoring of marriages, the salvation of the soul. I love online. Come on, we put a lot into it. I love creativity. I love the fact that we are gonna be on every available platform as long as they will let us. But make no mistake, this is a bridge, not a destination. The goal is to gather, to see each other, pray for each other, love each other. Whether, whether the atmosphere for it is good or not, the church has always gathered and the church will continue to gather until there is but a remnant who Jesus comes for. We're called to have good doctrine, to the fellowship. And now I wanna zone in on these, these final two. To the breaking of bread and to the prayers. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. When the Holy Spirit builds his church, one of the things that flows from it is breaking bread. I don't know about you, but to me, that seems interesting to be in the list of like doctrine, you know, fellowship, serving, eating dinner. It just seems like that's a little bit less spiritual. Prayer, I'm with that. But gathering together and, and eating together wouldn't necessarily be the thing that I would think would be a spirit-produced characteristic, and yet it's right there in the early church that when the Holy Spirit came on them and 3,000 were saved and baptized in one day and there was tongues of fire on their heads and there were miracles and Peter stood up and he preached a powerful word after that, they all got food together because it's what the Holy Spirit began to push them into. Dinner, eating together is a spiritual activity. And so I have to ask you, who's in your crew? Who's in your crew? Whose crew are you in? Because who you get around is who you're going to become like. Are the people you're around a production of the Holy Spirit? Let me ask you this, church. Who do you commune with? Especially right now, in this day where the decree is distant, where the law of the land is distant, I pray that we don't, we don't grow cold and isolationist from each other. Because you were designed to be in communion with people, vulnerable with people, to love people, talk with people, laugh with people, sit around and have great conversations with people. It's how you were designed to live. And when you go against that design, there are, there are serious ramifications, not just mentally, physically, but spiritually as well. So I ask you, church, who are you communing with, intentionally breaking bread with, gathering with? Let me ask you this. Who sees the unfiltered view of your life? Who sees it for real, knows what you're actually going with? I'm not saying you have to put all your issues out there. I'm not saying everyone should be able to know what you're dealing with on a daily basis, but there should be a few that really know what's going on, that really can get into the nitty gritty of your life and can 
not just give you good advice, but give good prayer around your life? Who can ask you the tough questions? Uh, who can challenge your thinking? Who can challenge your attitude? Who can challenge your actions? Sometimes we think when we have, when we've grown up, when we leave our parents' house, that's the end of, of, the, of the challenging of our attitudes and the challenging of our actions. Sometimes we think that when we grow up and, and we leave our, our parents' home, that that would be the end of the challenging of our attitudes or of our actions. But, but hear me, as you grow older, you can grow astray. It's not just for children to, to screw up or, failure or fail, but anyone at any age can begin to drift away from their calling. And you need some people that really know who you are and they know you intimately and they can say, hey, I don't know if that mindset's healthy. Hey, I don't know if that way of thinking is holy. Hey, I, I heard what you said. Are you doing okay, really? You need someone that can say, hey, what else is going on in your life? Because a lot of times when we're really frustrated and the anger bursts out of us, we just feel like we need to vent, we're just having a bad day. It's not because of that thing, it's because of something, something else, spiritually off. You need some people in your life that you commune with, that you break bread with, that can, can lean into your life and say, how are you truly doing? Is there anyone in your life that you can be vulnerable with to receive from, to receive encouragement? to receive love. Sometimes people even, they will close up their area of vulnerability because someone abused it in the past or misused it in the past. And they say, all right, I will now be cold. I'll be hard-hearted. I'll, I'll have a layer of anger. I won't commune with anyone because if I stay distant, then they can't hurt me. But hear me, the Holy Spirit wants you to be close. Why? So that iron can sharpen iron. And more than that, that encouragement and love God can pour through this vessel into your spirit. Do you have people like that? Because hear me, that is an essential part of being a part of a spiritual community. I think the problem is many of the voices that we commune with daily don't even know us. Talking about social media. I think the primary people we commune with don't know us, don't love us, don't share our worldview. Don't honor Jesus Christ with their everything. And I think if we're not careful that, that our social media could be a portal of poison in our home, more than that, in our hand. And you might be saying, oh, there goes Jordan preaching about social media again. But I gotta tell you, I don't know what this dopamine factory is going to produce in a generation, but I've got a, I've got a sense that it's not gonna be good. I've got a sense that it will not pull us towards the Holy Spirit and the supernatural, but pull us towards the flesh. And we have to choose how now shall we live? And if the primary voice in our life is a voice that doesn't love our life, doesn't, doesn't love our God, doesn't know our children, doesn't care about our future, but only cares about their view count, their follower count, their like count, their influence, their followers, then you might be following someone that is only consumed with themselves. Hear me, you need to be following people that are consumed with Jesus Christ. That's why I called the social media fast last week. And I hope you joined me. I'm sure it wasn't easy. I'm sure you even felt like you were going through T-talks a little bit. I had people asking me, is this a social media? Is that a social media? Because we're trying to figure out just what we could get away with. And I get it. I get it. It's difficult. 
But I also heard from so many people that they're saying, I feel better. I feel in my spirit better. I feel less anxious in my mind. I was having panic attacks, but I'm feeling, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit beginning to just clean me out. Some people said, I'm even getting off the news and I'm beginning to hear from God more. I'm here, I've heard some people, quite a few actually say, I'm thinking I'm never going back. And could I encourage you? Don't go back. Look, here I am with our church fully online and I'm trying to tell you, get offline because I care about your spirit and your soul. And by the way, I don't know where this community, online, social stuff, I don't know where it's going. But this one community, I think in the end, will be at odds with our community. So might, we might as well just begin to choose now. Who are we going to allow to be the primary voice into our life? Who are we going to allow to form our views, to form our, our mental state, our emotions? And I'll, I'll throw this in there and I'll move on because I know you're getting uncomfortable. I think what you signed up for is not what you're currently logged into. You remember when you signed up for Instagram? It was just beach pictures and nine filters. But what it has become, what this alternate reality has become, I believe is an extremely toxic thing for the human race. And I pray we are able to disconnect and reconnect with God. And you might find that the feeling when you try and go back is so gross. And you say, let me get rid of this. Let me connect with real people, real words, real God, and let's let him begin to have spirit-filled uh, conversations that will affect our mindset. Does that make sense? I guess my point is, who are the real people? The real, actual human people that God put into your life, and God put you into their life so that you can bring each other close to God. You know, in the Bible, there's a great story. It's out in Luke chapter 24. It's when Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus with some of his disciples right after Jesus was crucified and he rose from the dead. Many of the disciples didn't know yet about the resurrection. So these two disciples were walking along the road. They thought that Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth, had been killed and they thought he was still dead and buried. And they're, they're speaking about all that's going on in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks up and they don't recognize him. He's transformed. He's different. And he begins to speak to them about all that took place in Jerusalem. And he's saying, what's going on? And they're saying, you don't know what's going on. You must be the only person in Israel that doesn't know what's going on. There was a prophet named Jesus and he was crucified. How can you not know? And Jesus, he he kind of snaps. He says, you foolish people. You've missed. You've missed what it's all about. Didn't you know that the Messiah was going to have to suffer? Was going to have to die? Was going to have to be resurrected to fulfill the requirements of the law? He begins to break down the Old Testament and the New Testament. I'll tell you what, if I could time travel to any moment, this is one of the moments that I would love to time travel to. To be able to walk that walk and hear Jesus break down every instance in the Old Testament that pointed to himself. He, he went through all of the writings of Moses and he talked through all of the different uh, uh, prophecies of the prophets of Israel and he showed how all of it was about Jesus, 
When you read the New Testament, you got to see it's all about Jesus. And by the way, the New Testament is all about Jesus. And more than that, Acts 29, the, the, the era we are living in right now, it's all about Jesus. I would have loved to hear him open up the scriptures and say, see, that's me. See, that was me. See, that's me. He's speaking with them, yet they still didn't recognize him. He's showing him in the word, yet they still missed it. They get to their house and Jesus acts as if he's going to continue on, but they invite him in because, see, you have to invite Jesus into your home. He'll keep moving unless you intentionally say, Jesus, I want you in my house. He comes in and they, they set dinner with him and, and Jesus takes the bread and he lifts it up. He blesses it and he breaks it. And at the moment that he broke the bread, they recognized him and he vanished. When he broke the bread, they recognized Jesus. Who helps you recognize Jesus in your conversation? When you're breaking bread at dinner, who helps you recognize that sounds like Jesus? And that phrase, that reminds me of Jesus. Man, that, that tone, that's a supernatural tone. They, they recognized that was God. And they began to talk to each other and they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he opened the scriptures about himself on the walk. Can I ask you, church, who, when you speak to them, gets your faith lit up again? Who stirs the coals in your heart again? I don't know about you, but I've got some people in my life that when I am going through difficulties, I want to get around them and I want to speak to them because they begin to stir up my passion for God again. They stir up my love for God again. Their passion relights my passion. Do you have people that when they talk to you, it, it makes your heart begin to burn within you? Makes you want to serve more, love God more, connect with God more. When these people got around Jesus, it changed something in their heart. Think about it. Their conversations begin to stir up the passion in their heart. Who rekindles your passion for God? You're going to have to choose wisely, church. There are a lot of people that want your passions to go in a lot of directions, but you're going to have to choose wisely, church. Who are the people that you break bread with? Are they prayer people? Are they disciples of the Most High? Are they discerning of the seasons, the times, and the spirits of the world right now? Are they radical people? Are they godly people? Are they hope-filled people? In times like this, are they joyful people? Are they faithful people? Your crew has never mattered more than it matters right now. And your family, being lovers of Jesus, has never mattered more than it matters right now. Think of communion. You know what communion is, right? When Jesus gathered his disciples together on the eve of his crucifixion, the crowds were gone. The other followers were gone. It was just his closest friends. And he says, I no longer just call you servants. I call you friends. And he says, by the way, it's going to get bumpy. If they listened to me, they would have listened to you. He said, but if they persecuted me, they're probably going to persecute you. There is going to be a cost to following me. He was being open and honest in this moment with his closest friends. And what did he do in that moment? But he broke bread with them. 
He took the bread and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do you remember what Jesus said? He says, I am the bread of life. I am the manna that came down from heaven and fed you even when you were in the wilderness. That was me in the Old Testament, but I'm here now. My body was broken so that you will not have to live in brokenness. I will be the fulfillment of that hunger in your soul. Whoever is hungry, if you eat of my life, you'll be forever filled. He says, I am the bread. I am the one that has been broken for you. Jesus took the bread. He broke it. And he said, when you eat, when you eat together, when you have supper together, Will you remember me? Will you remember what I did for you? That I didn't have to accept the cross, but I willingly, joyfully did so, despising its shame because of how much I loved you. Fathers, when you lead your family at dinner, don't just pray a quick prayer. Teach your young people to remember Jesus because there's another agent that's at work. Not the spirit, but the flesh. And the flesh doesn't want to bring unity togetherness, freedom, liberty. The flesh wants to bring division. And that is the counterfeit. It is the work of Satan is to come and divide. Think about it. Even in that night where Jesus gathered together with his 12, there was the spirit of division that was working in the heart of Judas. There will always be a spirit of division that tries to find its way in to the fellowship of the believers. And therefore, God has set watchmen on the walls. Read the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33, that verse I've referenced earlier. Read the first 10 verses. What is it but a call from God to Ezekiel? He says, I have set you as a watchman on the wall, and you are to look out over the land. And when you see the sword coming, blow the trumpet in Zion and let the people know, come in to the refuge city and you will be saved. Hear me, church. I believe that God has set pastors and leaders to be watchmen over Israel. I'm called to be a watchman over this church. And I have to tell you what I'm seeing as a watchman. I'm seeing a sword coming at the church. It's a spirit of disunity. And it wants to weed its way in through our conversations, through crews, through little gossip factory text messages. If you're not careful, it wants to come into your mind. More than that, it wants your heart. But I'm, I'm warning you clearly as a watchman in Israel, do not go down that path. Cling to the cross. Let your crew be people. Let you be in community and communication with people that will bring your heart to Jesus. Not to everything, everywhere, and everyone but Christ. The world is desperately trying to bring disunity into the church because we know there's disunity in the world. There's unrest, anger, violence, rage. But those are not the fruits of the spirit. Those are the fruits of the flesh. We are called to have different fruits. Love, joy, and peace in our life. I pray that those fruits are in your table at home. They're in your friendship group. They're in your crew. Hear me, they are in our church. So anything that would bring disunity, we know is not of the spirit of Jesus Christ. But this is what the Holy Spirit does do. In the book of uh, Ephesians, it says this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. That's the gateway. That's the gateway. 
but only such as is good for building up. Church, we're called to build up. We're working on building up families, building up marriages, building up psyches, minds, building up the spiritual man, woman on the inside of you. We're called to build up in the ministry, to build up the house of the Lord. Let your speech be what is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. The flesh brings law, condemnation, hatred, anger, cancel, but grace brings forgiveness. Grace brings mercy. Grace gives you room to grow. Grace gives you room to come back to God, to come back into the community of Jesus Christ. So church, now's your time to use your spiritual discernment. Now's your time to connect with those that will connect you with Jesus Christ. Ask yourself these questions. What is this conversation stirring up in me? Is it stirring up passion or anger? Is it stirring up love or bitterness? Is this stirring up humility or pride? When you're speaking to yourself, when you're speaking to your, your spouse, when you're speaking to your friends, when you're speaking online, what is this conversation stirring up in me? Because if it's stirring up anything that is anti-Christ, I gotta walk away from it. I gotta walk away from it. Let me ask you, are those in your life that you break bread with, do they help you recognize Jesus? Because that's our goal. Say, get close to the Spirit of God. You got more in you? I got one more point. Not only does the Spirit produce breaking bread, but it also produces prayer, prayerfulness, a community, a people, an action of prayer. We believe that prayer is the foremost action that moves heaven. We believe that prayer is the greatest work. We believe that prayer not only changes things up there, they change things right here. And prayer changes us as it changes the world around us. We want to be a community of prayer, that it is the greatest action. Thessalonians, it says, pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. Don't become apathetic in prayer. And let me hear you, prayer and action, they are never at odds. But if you have action without prayer, you've got nothing. If you've got prayer without action, there's no such things because every single prayer will open and lead to action. And even when you pray, it moves heaven on your behalf. Pray without ceasing. Day and night, church, this is what we're called to be involved with. Remember this promise that God said to us, his people. He says, if my people, now note right there, there's an if right there. If my people, that's who you are, who are called by my name, never forget it. If they humble themselves, that's the first requirement. And then they pray, that's the next requirement. And they seek my face and they turn from their wicked ways. Then, here's his promise, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Our, our land needs healing, but I do not believe it will come from the systems that broke it or the people that just want to profit from it. Our land does need healing, but it cannot come from a false or powerless God, the idol of government or greed. 
Our world is broken, but only the one who created the world can bring the world back into a state of recreation. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need the spirit of Jesus, the action of Jesus. And hear me, church, we need the people of Jesus to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in this world. Until we repent, he will not relent. Lord Jesus, right now, we, your people, we repent, Lord God, from being a long way off. We repent, Lord Jesus. We repent, Lord Jesus, from allowing a culture of the world that is anti-Christ to seep its way into our thinking and our mindset, even our churches. God, we come before you right now, desperate for you, Lord Jesus. For who are we without you? And what can we ever do without your backing, Lord? We need your presence and your power and your guidance. So send your spirit again. We are asking for a reviving of your church and your people, Lord God, that we might be led into what you've promised for us. Here's the heart check, church. You need to ask yourself, Holy Spirit, have, they, have I become prayerless? Have I, instead of checking with you, have I, have I checked with other voices, people, have I checked with my fallen nature, my flesh before you? Have I checked with the news, with the media, with the online, with the opinions of fallen men? Have I checked with my phone or politics or culture before I've checked for the voice of the Spirit? Bring us back to that still small voice amidst the shouting of the world. In Ephesians 6, 8, it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, be watchful. Make sure you're paying attention. Now's not the time to take a spiritual nap. Now's not vacation time. It's not peace. There's supernatural warfare going on, so we gotta be alert. Wise to the schemes of the enemy. Prepared for the flaming arrows of the enemy that he is shooting at you, your children, this church, we're going to be alert. We're going to be awake. And always keep on praying. Church, keep on praying. Having done all, keep on praying. Having tried all, keep on praying. Keep coming before the throne, Esther. Keep coming before the king, the only one that actually has the scepter, who will extend it before you and say, whatever you ask in my name, I will give to you. Jesus says, pray like this. God, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. We are coming before a true king with true power that can move mountains, cast down empires, uplift his will. Having done all, keep on praying. Don't stop praying. Keep on praying. Not just for the world. Not just for the nation. Not just for our government. Not just for your raises. Not just for prosperity. But keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Right now, the church needs your prayer. Pastors need your prayer. All over the nation, pastors are dealing with stuff that generations of pastors even before them have never dealt with before. They need your prayer. Not just your criticism. They need your unity your words of encouragement.
They need for the army of God to rise up, have their backs. We will not be a weak and apathetic church. We will keep on praying, keep on pushing, keep on pioneering. Yes, this plague has come, but that does not stop our nature or our mission. We are called to be the church of Jesus Christ. We are called to move supernatural mountains on God's behalf. Hear me. If you're listening to this from another church, pray for your pastor. Let him know you got his back in the supernatural. There is a warfare going on upstairs. I don't know if you've ever lived in an apartment that people lived above. Sometimes it sounds like they're, they're bowling up there. Can't possibly imagine what could they be doing up there. That's how I feel. It's happening right now in the supernatural realm. Feels like inception. Feels like in the realm above, there is something crazy going on. We're not gonna know until we get into heaven. We can ask God, what was going on in the year 2020? Was it the end times? Was there a supernatural battle? Was it one of the revelation trumpets? What was happening? We don't know right now, but we do know this is a supernatural moment. We gotta pray for the people of God and the church of God, that God's hand will be on us. His protection will be on us. His strength will be in us, that he will lead us and guide us. Church, will you pray with me this week? Last year, last week, I asked you to fast social media. This week, I'm calling you to be people of prayer this week. On Tuesday morning at 8 a.m., we're gonna be gathering at the state house as we have been. Rain or shine, we're gonna pray. Will you join me? Come out and pray. Come out. Let the state know there are prayer people around. Let other Christians know. We're gonna beseech God. Wednesday night at six o'clock here in the field, will you come out and pray? Will you become people that will come before heaven? With your crews, I'm asking you this week, will you take extended time? Pray for each other. Pray strength over each other and pray for the church that we might be united as Jesus's final prayer is, in unity as God and the Father was. Hear me, we're not gonna be people that are self-reliant, self-righteous. That's the flesh. I can do better. I know better. I can be better. That's disregarding the gospel. We're not gonna disregard the gospel and accept some social doctrine, pride, or self-righteousness. No, the gospel's all we have. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.